Welcome to Daybreak Devotions, a podcast version of the daily radio ministry of the McLeansville Baptist Church with your host, Pastors Mike Barnett and Corey Cantrell. We welcome you back to the Daybreak Devotions broadcast brought to you by the McLeansville Baptist Church. I'm your host today, Pastor Corey Cantrell from right here at McLeansville. And what we are going to do today is we're going to take yet another trip back in the Wayback Machine. That's right. We're hopping back to yesteryear. Now, this time we're not going back to 2020. We've had enough experience there for a little while, but we're going to spring forward a year forward into 2021, back to another edition of Mid-Morning Manna, where Pastor Mike and myself were reviewing a Sunday night message that I preached in conjunction to a Sunday morning message that he had delivered previously on a life-lived focus on Jesus. And I mean... Here we are in December. This is the month that we have set aside. We are, we are currently in the middle of Advent right now, anticipating the arrival of Jesus. Well, Advent should spring us into every day of our life living completely consumed and focused in on Jesus. So that's what we are looking to do. That's what we are all about and so I'm excited to be able to share this discussion that we had, and it was helpful to myself and to Pastor Mike then, and I trust that it will be helpful and an encouragement to you as well. But right before we hop into that, we're going to open up with a wonderful song brought to you by Brother Bruce Fry, Almighty Lamb. Go away. 
Pastor Mike Barnett here in the radio studios on this wonderful December day and uh, counting down the days till the snow comes, actually. Did you know that? Hopefully it will get here sooner rather than later. I'm ready for some. That's the uh, the illustrious and illustrative associate pastor, Corey Cantrell, here in studio today as well. So good to be here. And the reason I say that is because my son told me on Sunday afternoon that it is six more days until it snows. Six more days until it make snows. Four days now, so that's going to be what? Wednesday, Thursday. Snowing on Saturday Ooh. or Friday, whichever day. Where do you get those facts from? Well, apparently a couple of the children that in the second grade at school told him last Friday that it was eight days till it snows. So I don't know if it thundered on uh, last Thursday or what happened. Maybe a thunderstorm. Of course, I'm sure it thundered somewhere, and that's all you need to know. So what? Thunder and then nine days later it snows. Eight something? days. You don't know that? Nope. It's a scientific, uh, theoretical um, wives' tale. Huh. Yep. It, oh, if it thunders this time of year, eight days later it's going to snow. Even if it's not technically winter? Doesn't matter. You know, the earliest that it ever snowed that I can remember was the year 2000. I think it was, was it 2000? I think it was the year 2000. It snowed on the... Sunday before Thanksgiving that year. Wow. Yep. I don't remember it ever doing that before, nor hence. You know, all of this discussion made me think of this. Snow, 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 well, snow, true. If only it comes. Yeah. Oh, I generally don't use that unless it has actually <laughs> snowed, but hey, you know. No, sen- no sense in sitting here, you know, not building up our hopes. Let's. I mean, we're going to be talking about hope a little bit here in a little while, anyway. So yes, we, we are. can hope for snow. There's just hope, hope abounding everywhere. We have not forgotten what we're doing here, or forgotten why you are here, and so we are going to be opening up the scriptures here in a little bit. And the brother Corey's going to be sharing something with us. We'll introduce that um, from the message that he preached on Sunday night. More on that in a moment. Uh, what we want to do t- today. I preached a message on Sunday morning here at the church, and it was a message on the need to remember God during this season, especially when we have so much that we have to remember during Christmas time. So many things that are in our minds, and it's easy to forget certain things. We forget certain people. We might overlook, you know, we didn't get a gift for this person, or we forgot we had that, you know, event to go to. Whatever it may be, so many, so many things to remember, but. The danger is is that we'll try so hard to remember everything else, and then we forget about God. Mm-hmm. And, and we forget about Christ. We forget about Jesus. We celebrate Christ at Christmas, and then lo and behold, here it is, Christmas night. We look back and we say, you know what? We didn't even give him a thought at all. And that would be the tragedy of the Christmas season. Well, then on Sunday night, you followed that up with a message 
um, that was kind of um, adding on to or continuing, I guess would be a good way to say. And I'm going to say it in my words, what you were preaching on, but then I'm just going to turn it over to you and let you introduce it to us. But it was basically a message on, okay, when we are remembering God, this is what our life is going to look like. Mm -hmm. And so I just wanted to ask you to give us today on this kind of co-broadcast again, give us the, um, the, the gist of that message. And then if you don't mind, maybe right up front, give us those three main thoughts, and then you sure. could kind of break them down for us. Yeah, so as I was sitting there Sunday morning and I was listening, knew that I was preaching on Sunday night, had been having some different thoughts going through my mind throughout the week, and so it was kind of seeking how the Lord was going to tie everything together. The text verse that, that came to my mind that the Lord brought to me was something that... Um, my family had read throughout the week in our in our readings and our preparations for Advent because this has been the week of hope. Well, I guess we're turning the page on hope. Uh, but but last week was what well, that was that was the emphasis was was hope. And the thing that I kept directing our children to was where you focus is where you hope. That that's what you, that's what you're hoping in. What you're what you're focusing in on. And so then as you preached Sunday morning on remembering what God has done and, and being intentional about that remembrance. It just tied everything together. And so the Lord brought my attention back to 2 Corinthians chapter number 4, uh, verse 18, and then on down into chapter number 5, which 2 Corinthians 4, 18 says, While we look not at the things which are seen, but at the things which are not seen. For the things which are seen are temporal, but the things which are not seen are eternal. And that word temporal, you know, talking about as as it relates to a timeline, you know, a set period of time, a temporary existence, and so Paul is saying we're we're looking not at the temporary things. We're not focused on the here and now and the time sensitive stuff, but our focus is on the eternal. And then he launches into chapter number five, verse number one, with "For we know." And so you can't get to the four we know until you're part of the category that is focusing on what Paul has just said we're focusing on. And so the we that know are those that are focused on the eternal things. And so I said, I said at the end of the message Sunday night that if I had to summarize everything that I had previously presented in three short statements, it would be those that are not focused on the temporal, but those that are that are focused on the eternal, there would be three characteristics about them. First of all, they would have a longing for their eternal home. They would be actively looking for their present responsibility. And they would love living each moment of their life with Jesus. And as you see in chapter number 5, you see those, those three things kind of highlight and come out. Paul says, For we know that if our earthly house of this tabernacle were dissolved, we have a building of God and house not made with hands, eternal in the heavens. And, you know, it's important that we, we clarify, Paul's not talking about our physical house or our physical church buildings or a physical brick-and-mortar building, but he's talking about the tabernacle of our body. I didn't reference this the other night, but this verse came to my mind in 1 Corinthians 3.16. What know ye not that your body is the temple of the Holy Ghost which liveth in you? Just as our body is the temple of the Holy Ghost, our body is is also the, the temporary dwelling of who we are in God, that regenerated nature that is one with God, and we are housed in this. And Paul is acknowledging 
I'm, I'm not focused on this temporary body because I'm looking forward to that body which is to come and that, that dwelling place which is right around the corner. And he, he acknowledges that longing for um, that, that permanent, ultimate fulfillment in his dwelling. I was thinking of all those three things, um, longing for the eternal home, looking for our present responsibility, and to love living life with Jesus. All three of those things are, I guess, the best terminology I could come up with. They're developed soul conditions. Let me explain that. What I mean is those aren't natural Mm -hmm. to the normal human mind and you know our thoughts, our desires. I mean, longing for the eternal home. What, what, so one of the things that grabbed my attention on the message Sunday night was you're saying how many people are, are, as we grow in our faith, we look more for Jesus to come. And Paul here seems to be describing this great desire he has for the Lord to come. And I began to think about people in the audience, both Sunday night, people listening right now, who may think, you know, I'm really not ready for that because there's so much that I haven't, you know, been able to experience in life. There's so much that I still want to do. And, you know, young people still want to find their careers or maybe get married, raise a family. There's older people maybe that are fighting regrets in their life, just thinking, man, I I missed out. Maybe I could try or do this, you know. And so there's a lot of things that people might not feel. And it's a developed soul condition to get to that place. Uh, Looking, let me skip to loving to love living life with Jesus, I think that one is also one that in our day-to-day, hour-to-hour, we, we're learning the capacity of doing that. I think the baby Christian, if I can use that terminology, they understand their hope is in Christ, that they belong to Christ. But as we mature, we learn how to live seasonally maybe in God. Mm-hmm. Maybe we learn uh, you develop that ability to, on Sundays, really focus on God. And on Wednesdays, if you have midweek service there. So you start developing in those certain periods of time. Then as we mature along, I think we get to where it's a day-by-day thing. Where I find myself right now is is praying to learn that hour-by-hour walk with the Lord, that hour-by-hour life with God. And, I mean, it's just, it's just something that takes time. I guess what I'm saying is I want to encourage everybody listening right now when you make these statements, they're blanket true statements, but they're grades of maturity in each one. Yes. And I skipped over um, looking for our present responsibility because probably of the three, that's the one that's the easiest to acquire. But you mentioned it the other night, or we talked about it, but what is the biggest hang-up with that? When people think about, okay, I'm supposed to look for my work. What is my labor for God? What is my work? And the biggest hang-up is? They're looking for how it fits. Because that's what it, how, how it relates to what we traditionally say is ministry stuff. How it, how it connects to, you know, all right, well, I mean, I'm just an electrician. Or I'm just uh, this. You know, this is my 9 to 5, my Monday through Friday. But, you know, my work for the Lord is when we have our visitation outreach or when we have our youth programs and I'm a youth worker, or when we have Sunday school and I'm a Sunday school teacher, but if I don't fit into any of those things, well, then I'm still looking for my present responsibility. No, your present responsibility is to bring Christ into every aspect of your day. Whatever it is that you're doing that day, you have the responsibility to be an ambassador for Christ as you're doing that. So I think people 
think they understand that one easier, but then they have a hard time finding the application. Mm -hmm. So what we want to tell people all the time is, is that your work and labor in life, whatever it is, if it's an electrician, if it's a school teacher, if it's the mailman, if it's, uh, you know, we were talking to people in the church Sunday night, we've got human resources people, we've got people that were firefighters, we've got we got supervisors that just stand around and watch other people work, you know. But whatever it is, it's to bring the kingdom into that field that you're in. And so it makes me think of uh, the verse in Romans. The verse in Romans where Paul says that the kingdom of God is righteousness, joy, mm-hmm. peace, and the Holy Ghost. And I'm sure I didn't quote that exactly right. But when you think about that, no matter what your labor is, uh, you know, it, when we when we focus, we're remembering God and we're practicing those daily things that keep us in tune with God, whether we are out on the street as a firefighter, police officer, whether we are in the classroom as a teacher, no matter where, we can bring that joy, peace, and righteousness of the kingdom into that environment, and it reflects the life and love of Christ wherever we are. And that is the kingdom work. That's the labor of our life. Absolutely. And that's Paul drives that home in verse number 9, but... As you come through verses 2 through 8, you see an awful lot of of what Paul seems like he's describing as he's just ready for this life to end. He's he's he uses terminology like in verse 2, we groan earnestly desiring to be clothed with our house in heaven. Uh, verse number 4, we that are in this tabernacle do groan being burdened. And then uh, he 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 keeps giving this this description that there is a dissatisfaction with this current life that, okay, I'm ready for this to be done so that I can get to the life that, that is to come. But he says in verse number three, if so be that being clothed, we shall not be found naked. For we that are in this tabernacle do groan, being burdened, not for that we would be unclothed, but clothed upon, that mortality might be swallowed up in life. And that's an important thing that we have to understand to grasp all of that so that we can get down to verse number nine to the wherefore we do labor. Because Paul is not saying, hey, you know what? We just need to bide this thing out. We just need to endure this life, take our last breath, and then we'll really start living when we get our heavenly bodies, and then we'll we'll get all into that. He's saying the desire is not that I'm just unclothed and, and ended with this life. That's what the world is, is promoting. That's why you've got so many people that end their lives prematurely because they just reach that hopeless state. Paul says, I'm just looking forward to where the life that I currently possess, where it is just swallowed up in the life that is to come. I am, I am a perpetual living creature in Christ, and, and I'm not looking for my life to end. I'm just looking for that change to happen, that transition to take part. So right now, I'm going to be faithful to labor right here where I'm at. You know, verse number 20, now then we are ambassadors for Christ. That's what I'm going to do right now. I've got a uh, an unquenchable longing for the life that is to come and how Jesus is going to ultimately fulfill everything. But he's talking about the process. It was it was ironic, too. Our Sunday school curriculum this past Sunday we were in Philippians chapter number 3, and Paul says, I press towards the mark for the prize of the high calling of God in Christ Jesus. And he says, I count not myself to have apprehended. He acknowledges, I've not, I've not obtained what I'm ultimately striving for, but I'm regularly pursuing that and active in that, and I'm, I'm desiring that, and I'm continuing forward in that because I know that's, that's where my ultimate fulfillment is. But in order for me to get there, I've got some stuff that I need to be still doing right now, and there's a purpose for me here. 
And I think that as we're in this this season of hope, this this expectation in Christ, that brings us hope when we know that our life right now has purpose, that we're not just biding our time for the end of this to get to something better, but that we have a role to play right now and a responsibility and something that we are looking forward to in the future as well. I kept thinking as you're talking about that verse, you know, about being swallowed up in life, you know, most people seem to be, even in the church, most people seem to be, the image I keep seeing is uh, is somebody uh, in uh, like like a water water that's swirling, it's like draining, and they're like getting ready to get sucked down, and they're clawing, trying to hold on, or, or to be honest, I kept seeing, you know, Star Wars, Return of the Jedi, Han Solo, and all of them trying to get out of that, what was that? The Sarlacc pit. Yeah, you know, where you're you're die for a thousand years or something. They're all trying to get out of that, and that's the way people feel with life. They know death is coming, but they're trying so hard to cling to this life and try to make life matter when what Paul is saying, hey, this is going to be a glorious thing. This actual, what you're calling life is mortality. There's an end to it, but it is going to be swallowed up by life, and that's something that we welcome in the appropriate time when our time comes. So we live to the max, we live to the hilt until you know God calls us into that. And again, that's really what brought it back to all three of the things you've mentioned, that, that we are understanding that our life right now is leading somewhere. Mm-hmm. There's a process of transformation that is taking place. Um, so I think it's very important to understand that you know it ties into what we began to study last Wednesday night on kingdom mentality and living in the kingdom of God because... Paul says in verse 10 of this chapter, we must all appear before the judgment seat of Christ that everyone may receive the things done in his body according to that he hath done, whether it be good or bad. There's this sense of accountability where we will stand before him one day to to give an account of what we did with our life. So if we live our life just kind of, you know, just kind of kicking it around like, you know, I'm not doing anything and it's not important and I'm, you know, rather than embracing it as the opportunity that it is, I think we're going to have, I think we're going to have a measure of shame when we stand before him. Absolutely. And it's, verse 10 goes so well with, with, you know, both of the different parables of the stewards and the servants, you know, that, that the master left them and, you know, you had the one with five talents that turned into 10 and then the one had two that turned into four and the one that had one and buried it. There's always going to be shame if we waste what we were given. But but just like in the in the parable where the servant with the one said, well, I, I was afraid of you because I knew you were a hard man that reaped where you sowed not, and so therefore I was afraid. A wasted life is ultimately the result of a life that had the wrong perspective, somebody that was looking at it the wrong way. And so it's why verse 18 of chapter number 4 is so vital. We have to be looking at it through the right lenses and looking at, the proper things and keeping things in the right focus because if my focus is not on the temporary things but my focus is on the eternal then I begin to take those temporary pressures off I take off the pressure to perform to the world standards you know of what they view success as and making sure that I hit certain check marks and certain benchmarks because I'm this far along in my quote-unquote ministry. So I should have accomplished this and my church should be this size and I should be here, there, and yonder. I should have led X number of people to the Lord by such and such date in my life. All of that is the result of looking through temporary things. I only have a short amount of time, so i got to get as much done as I can. No, 
when I look at it through the eternal lens, I understand that it's all the work of God. It's his work, and so whether I'm a sower, a waterer, a reaper, or, or a, a field man. preparer, you know, I could be— Or a dog catcher. Even as a mailman, I'm preparing a field somewhere, whether it's to the customers that I'm delivering to. You know, I had the opportunity—I've mentioned it a couple of times before here. A couple thousand times. Yeah. I had the opportunity, not as a mailman, I was a parcel delivery expert. Oh, yes. There were, there were some regular customers, some people that I saw on a regular basis that would say things like, man, we like it when you come deliver here. You're a lot happier than the other guys. You've got, you know, and at that point in time, I wasn't spiritually mature enough to understand that it was me bringing Jesus to those people. But that's what it was. It was, it was the nature of God that was within me that was shining transparent through me to others. All of that was to say, if I look at all of those opportunities through the lens of eternity— then I'm having an impact and a role in all of those different things. So whether I ever harvest that person or anything like that, it's not about how many conversions I get at the end of my life when I stand before God in verse number 10. It's how did I utilize the days and the hours that God gave me and what was my focus in those times? The question that all of this begs to be asked is, what are the practical ways in which I can develop my soul to be to live in these conditions where I am longing for my eternal home and looking for my present responsibility and loving uh, the life that I live with Jesus on a daily basis? What are the practical ways to develop my soul? Well, uh, one way I want to address that is tomorrow on the broadcast, I'm going to come back and actually bring the message that I preached on Sunday morning that, that led into this uh, message in this discussion that we just had, and it'll be just one example of the ways we develop our soul and condition our soul to live this way. So uh, I look forward to having folks back. It's going to be a good broadcast. When's We're your book coming out? When's my book coming out? Yeah. Uh, is I gotta... this your second book? First, third? Which one are you on now? Well, if I actually made a book, it would really just be my first, because I was only a contributing author on one book. Oh, and it wow. Was just, it was one chapter out of like Wow. I mean, look at all you've already accomplished at the age of 31. Hey. Drove the brown trucks, contributed a chapter to a book. What more could you possibly want in life? It's been good. Well, friends, thank you so much for joining us on today's broadcast. (laughs) It's going to snow. Have a great rest of your day, and we'll see you next time.
thank you for joining us on today's program. We hope that you'll tune in with us each and every day right here on Daybreak Devotions as Pastor Mike and I will discuss various topics in God's Word. If you've got any questions, comments, we would love to hear from you at daybreakdevotion at gmail.com.